what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by the 2019 Foot Candle Film Festival. This year's festival will be held September 27th through the 29th in Hickory, North Carolina. Learn more by visiting footcandlefilmfestival.com. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we'll talk a little bit about capital and how difficult it is to get these days. We've got a guest today, Chris Daly, who is an entrepreneur, internet marketing expert, and has recently started a new venture called Smart CRO. Through our investigative journalistic efforts, we're going to determine what CRO stands for. Finally, we'll end up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you need to be checking out. Hello, my name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is the dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how you doing, buddy? Jeff, I'm doing great. Although I have to tell you, I thought the summer was supposed to be slower at the college. It is not slow in any means. Well, we're, we're, you got, we're, we're here towards the, towards the end of May, and uh, you got the kids. You got some kids graduated. Yes, that was very exciting. We did that about a week or so ago, and it's always a fun thing to watch them walk across the stage and pick up a diploma. Well, and, and then hopefully they're they're moving on, maybe going to a, a four year school, maybe going to get a job somewhere, you know, and be yes, that, be contributors to our society. Hopefully, good contributors. But yes, that's the good thing about the community college. We'll get to see students that are going to go on to a four year college to take on more courses, and many of our students go directly into the workforce. And these days, most of our folks that are in our technical programs have a job before they graduate. So that's very exciting. Well, uh, we, we, we all appreciate the good works that you do, and uh, the community college system, and particularly in North Carolina, is very uh, very significant in our state and important to, to helping to build our workforce, so we appreciate your work. Right. But we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk a little bit before we get started with Chris. Uh, I, was, I was at the Kaufman Entrepreneurship, Kaufman Foundation, which is a foundation that promotes entrepreneurship website this week. And they had their most recent report out for access to capital for entrepreneurs. And guess what, Gary? There are still challenges out there. Even in this economy. Even in this economy that there's still access to capital. You, you are a big uh, watcher of Shark Tank. Yes, I am. And you know, I, I think sometimes people watch Shark Tank and they assume that there are lots of investors out there that want to write checks and throw money at people and... Not so much. Not so much. No, no, still no. got to be a good idea. And then, of course, banks or investors are really looking to make sure it's the best deal possible. They're not. Just, they don't. Even though it's a good economy, they don't want to be throwing good dollars after bad. You know, one of the things that they bring up in the report, and if you go to the Kaufman Foundation website, you can download the entire report. But uh, interestingly, when it comes to venture capital, you know, private equity. There are some real geographic limitations. There are five geographic locations within the United States that uh, receive about 80% of all the capital funding. What do you think those five are? Hickory. No, no that's not on the list. <laughs> not Hickory, Hickory, North, North Carolina, Carolina is not on the list. Gracious. Okay. New York. 
New York City Metro is one of yeah. them. Uh, Los Angeles. That Metro. is one. Uh, Los Angeles, uh, Orange County is one of them. Okay. Chicago? No, 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 I, no. No, they don't do much up there. No, stay west. Stay west. Phoenix. Not no, further west. <laughs> so <laughs> San, Fran- California, San Francisco. San Francisco and, uh, is one. Silicon, Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley yeah. which, I mean, I might have... Uh, you know, group those together. together. Yeah. And New England are, are the others. They say New England. You when know, did New England become a state? I yeah, I think when the Patriots won the last okay, Super Bowl. Okay, I, I guess think so. they, they probably they, have the, they that right now. So, you know, and, and for those of us that live here, you know, we they, they says five, you know, we would say two. You know, it's California and, and North, you know, are the two right. places they, they get the venture capital. Um, and I, I suspect that folks... You know that are that have started businesses you know, are are very aware of this. But if you're thinking about starting a business, still sources of startup capital, sixty four point four percent still come from the owner's savings or from directly from the owner or or the owner's family. Another eight point seven come from not necessarily the owner's family, but but relatives or friends that the owner might know. Sixteen point five percent comes from uh, bank loans. So I mean, those are still really the biggest mm-hmm. uh, places. Uh, credit cards still up there. So private equity or, or equity capital still very very small. It's sort of a sliver that's out there, and then and generally it's going to be going towards more scalable, mm-hmm. not necessarily technology companies, but primarily scalable companies that are going to provide some pretty darn healthy returns. So you know, if you're in the startup mode out there, don't get discouraged. You know, but also understand that bootstrapping and and doing a lot of self financing is going to be critical for your success. Well, I think it's important to be realistic. You know, Saying, "Hey, I got this idea," and then people can throw money at. It. They need to understand what they're up against and how they're going to do it, so that making sure they've got some of their own money or family money that's going to help them get started. Yeah. And protect them in the, the startup stage. So yeah, we, we don't mean to be the bringers of bad news or anything, but but I think being realistic, as you said, is sort of the key. Sort yeah. of the key there. So anyway, I always like to start with a little bit of news or articles, whatnot. But but uh, we also are, are pleased today to to have a guest join us. We'd like to to welcome Chris Daly to the uh, Entrepreneur Exchange. Chris, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm excited to be here with you guys. We're so, excited you're with us. So, Chris, you Chris has recently started a new company called Smart CRO, which helps companies build websites that are sustainable, provide high impact. Uh, he's got over seven years of experience with CRO, which stands for. I've been waiting to know what that is for the last five minutes. Conversion rate optimization. Wow, you, you, I didn't. I, I might have known that before <laughs> I met Chris. Maybe I didn't. But anyway, uh, he has built uh, out uh, CRO-specific teams to help with uh, design, development, uh, and strategy. Uh, and and really, he's had a, a great focus on increasing conversion weight rates. It's great when someone visits a website, but uh, it's always better if they turn into to a paying customer. So. Uh, Anyway, Chris, welcome, and, and tell us a little bit about your new company and uh, uh, some of your some of your background. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a, I'm a longtime digital marketer. I've been doing marketing, online marketing, for the last ten years, um, 
And the first couple of years of my career were spent driving traffic to websites. So I helped people run advertising campaigns. Uh, I spent a lot of time helping companies get ranked on, on Google when people search for things on Google. And um, I ended up discovering conversion rate optimization or CRO um, about seven years ago. I was driving a, a lot of traffic to, to a site. I was working in-house at a company. And, and after about six months of driving a lot of traffic, we realized we weren't converting nearly as many people as we thought we should be. And so as I started to dig into things and go, what's happening? Why are these people not converting? Um, no one could really help me understand that because it was nobody's job at the company I was at. You know, there was a design team and the design team's job was to make sure that our site looked good and, and um, you know, had a, had a good look and feel. Our development team's job was to make sure that the site worked and wasn't broken. Uh, you know, the marketing team's job was to make sure that we had good ideas and messaging and all that kind of stuff. But nobody was really making sure and, and trying to figure out what do the users like people that are coming to our website, what do they actually want to see? And so I discovered this, this industry called conversion rate optimization and just fell in love. I, I ran my first, uh, we do a lot of what's called A-B testing, where you'll take your existing site and you'll test it against uh, a new version of your site. It, it might be just changing something like the content on the page, or you might be changing an image or a video on the page. And the idea is that you split traffic between the two and see which one converts more people. Um, so I ran my very first test and saw like a 15% increase in conversion rates and thought, wow, like I'm onto something here. Um, and when I first started, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I was just kind of making stuff up as I went along. <laughs> um, I, I would look at a site and go, oh, well, I don't like that thing. Let me run a test and I'll try changing it and see what happens. Um, and so, you know, as, as happens with a lot of businesses, you get lucky, you have a few, a few wins here and there, but it's not very sustainable to be trying to optimize conversion rates like that because you can't always guess what people are going to want to see on a website. Um, in fact, I've found that over 50% of the time, even after running tests on websites for, for seven years, over 50% of the time I'm wrong as to what is going to work best on a website. And I find that that rate is even higher for business owners and for designers because um, a lot of times business owners, designers think that we, we think that we know what's going to work best on a website. And so we often don't challenge our own ideas. And so basically my, my new company, what I've, what I've created and, and what, I'm, what I'm working on helping businesses do is I'm working on helping businesses create their own strategies and processes to figure out how can we create a great website experience? How can we create a, an experience that will resonate with our customers when they come here so that they want to take action and convert? Well, that's great. And, and, so, and this is a new venture for you. Although looking at your, your, uh, your, your background, you, you've started some of your th own things before. So you know, as, you're, as you're cranking up, just as, as an entrepreneur, what are some of the challenges that, uh, that you're running into uh, with your new business? I, I, I'm assuming, which isn't always safe to do, that your, your business is one that does not have a great amount of startup capital requirements that, that it's primarily a service business so it's not like you're out there 
pitching to private equity people looking for money at this point in time, but what are some of the challenges that, that you as an entrepreneur are, are facing that, uh, that you can share with uh, our listeners and, and maybe uh, help them uh, avoid some of those obstacles? <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a few things. I mean, and, and like you said, I have done this before, and it's interesting how, how it all feels new again. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I, I thought that I thought that starting my starting a, a new company would would be just going through the routine again. Um, but there's, I mean, there, there's a lot of challenges. One of the biggest challenges at the beginning that I've seen, um, both with my first company I started and with this company, is there are so many things to do. There's so much that needs to happen in order to get your business first, just like off the ground and official. And then second, to actually start generating income, uh, that it's easy to get lost in it, especially when, um, you know, if, if you have an entire day of time, you know, you have however much time you want to spend on your business, whether it's four hours or six hours or eight hours or 14 hours in one day, you have, uh, kind of an unscheduled day before you and so it becomes really important that you figure out how what should i use my what should i spend my time on i mean there's not somebody sitting over your shoulder saying oh here's the first few things that you need to do and here's what i expect to see by the end of the day um and so so a couple things that have been really helpful for me are number one planning my day um so that i don't just have a bunch of time and like uh, a mental list of things that need to get done Saying from this time to this time, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, here's the important things that I need to get done. So that allows me to kind of prioritize my schedule. Um, and, and the second thing that kind of is in connection with uh, prioritizing and scheduling out my time is creating my own system of, of accountability. Um, I think everybody needs accountability, whether you are a business owner or an employee, or whether you're working on self improvement in any realm. Um, personal accountability is, is a huge, um, a hugely massively important thing um, that allows you to kind of check in, whether it's with yourself or with other people. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that I know about myself, I know myself well enough to know I'm not a good accountability partner for myself um, because I'm very lenient with myself. <laughs> and so if I, if I tell myself I'm going to do something today and I don't do it, it's easy for me to go, Oh, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. And so it's important for me to have a, I, I call them accountability partner, somebody that I can check in with and say, hey, I got this thing done or hey, I didn't get this thing done. That's going to say, why didn't you get that thing done? And then I can get really honest with myself and I can either make up an excuse and say, well, I got really busy and did this and that. Um, or I can say, you know what? I didn't plan my time very well. And I, whatever, got lost off doing this other thing and I spent way more time on it than I should have. So I mean, those are like at the very, very beginning stages where I'm at right now. Those are a couple things that are jumping out at me that that feel new all over again, and that have been really important for me. And and do you do you have a specific accountability partner? I do. So I I actually have a couple. I have a couple of accountability partners around a couple of different things. There's there's because um, one other thing that I will say that I think is true, whether you are a new entrepreneur or whether you've been running your own company for years, running a business is a very lonely place. You know, there is a lot of responsibility that falls on your shoulder. I mean, all of the responsibility essentially falls on your shoulders and it's very easy to feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed. And so I have, 
I have an accountability partner around just kind of my emotional state uh, that I check in with every day um, around just how I'm doing right now, how I'm feeling, like what things are frustrating, what things I feel like I'm feeling really great about. Uh, and then I have an accountability partner around the, the tasks that I want to get done every day and the things that I want to accomplish. Two different people. Um, and, and those two things are really helpful for me to, like I said, make sure that I'm practicing integrity and also make sure that I am aware of where I'm at. Because um, you don't want to deceive yourself as a business owner and think that things are better than they are or think that things are worse than they are. You want to um, have a really good grasp on reality and, and where you're actually at. My well, accountability partner is my wife. Yeah, I was going to say, Gary and I have breakfast every Monday morning. <laughs> and, and then he, Jeff he, is my other accountability. Yeah, and he, he tells me about the uh, the chores he's had to do over the weekend with yes. his uh, uh, accountability, accountability partner, partner. Making sure that gets done. <laughs> so, so, so I suspect that from uh, from a startup perspective and also just from your experience, Chris, that, uh, you know, Many entrepreneurs have have finite, limited budgets when they're when they're getting up and running, and and you know, with your new company, with any new company, you still have to get the word out in in terms of a marketing strategy, and and you've spent time really focused on digital marketing strategies. You know, when when you're thinking about your business, when you're working with clients, uh, you know, helping them develop that digital marketing strategy. Uh, what sort of elements are you, are you focusing on, or do you suggest your clients focus on? You know, what, how do you, how do you sort of work through that process? Yeah, so I mean, it's that's another area that's really easy to get overwhelmed in because you kind of well, most businesses want to do everything, and you want to do everything all at once. It's like, um, well, I, I need a website. Once I have my website, I need to run ads, and I need to have um, it, you know, I need to be doing SEO, and I need to be producing content, and I need to get a blog together and I mean, all this stuff. And um, one of the, one of the struggles that I see a lot of newer businesses run into is trying to do too much at once. And so what I usually recommend for businesses and what I'm doing for myself, I mean, you need to figure out where are my potential customers? Where are my potential customers? Do they know that they need what I have? So if you're selling a product, um, if you're selling toothbrushes, that's a really established market. That's, you know, people, there, there's a demand for it already. There's a need for it already. Um, and so there are specific places where people are going to be looking for toothbrushes or are going to be in the mindset and be open to hearing about toothbrushes. However, if you are selling some new innovative uh, product, I worked with a company that had developed a, uh, a new mouthwash that, that, um, altered the pH levels in your mouth that essentially prevented you from getting cavities. Um, and which was a really fascinating product, a brilliant invention, but no one's searching for that. Right. Um, no, there, there's not a market necessarily that there's a lot of people who would buy it, but they're not looking for it. And so. Certainly not um, under pH level of my mouth. That's, that's uh, not a, <laughs> not a very good concept there. Right. Right. And so, and so you've got to figure out, where are my potential customers? Do they know that they need what I have? So like in my, in my particular case, one of the challenges that I have with my business is most businesses don't know that they need conversion rate optimization. Uh, most businesses will create a website and say, okay, I've got the website figured out. Now let me go and figure out my ads and, and I'll start driving traffic to my site. 
And so if, if I was to market on Google, for example, Google is a demand-based platform. If I want to run ads on Google, I'm going to be running ads for things people are searching for. So I'm going to be running ads for digital marketing and website optimization and conversion rate optimization and those kinds of things. But if nobody's searching for that, and I've tried this before, I tried running ads on Google and, and it failed miserably because the people that need it are not looking for it. <laughs> um, so the first thing is figure out where your customers are. Do they know that they need what you have? And then um, the second thing is I, 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 that I would suggest is focus and do really, really well at one thing before you start another thing. So if, if you're selling toothbrushes and you're going to do Google, don't try Google and Facebook and Amazon and, um, you know, and uh, uh, wholesale, you know, do, do one thing really well and focus on that because that allows you to focus your budget and gather a lot of data. Um, I mean, marketing, doing really good marketing is about gathering data and pivoting and adjusting as you move forward. Um, and so you need to be able to devote as, as much of your budget as you possibly can to a single marketing channel so that you can figure it out, gather data, um, you know, stop doing things that aren't working, start doing things that are working, uh, and, and then move on. So, you know, for my, for my business, um, there's two places that I primarily find people. Um, one is via uh, conferences and other places where um, people are consuming content. Um, and the reason that that's a great place for me is people are in the mindset of learning, right? They're, they're looking to learn something new. Um, so I'm not looking for people that are looking for my service. I'm looking for people that are looking to learn and looking to improve their business and their marketing strategies. And it's also a great place for me because I'm able to explain why people need it in that kind of a forum, right? Um, you can't explain why people need your product in an ad. Um, very well. You, you can try, but you can't do it very well um, because you usually have to address somebody's pain point. You usually have to give them a solution. And if the solution is complicated, um, it's hard to communicate that in 140 characters, right? And so, um, well, we'll give you 280. And, and so, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Right. We'll give you 280 characters, but good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, so that's kind of what, what I usually am, am looking at when I'm helping businesses is figuring out what do your customers need? Who are they? Um, what can we say? So on the website front, you know, my, my focus is primarily on helping um, my customers figure out their website um, and, and, and figure out what do people need to see? What information do people need to see? What visual experience do people need to see in order to want to buy your product? Um, and so that's a lot of what I'm trying to figure out is where are these people at now? What do they know right now? And then let's try giving them different amounts of information because a big mistake that I see a lot of businesses make on, on their websites or landing pages is you assume you know what people need. Or you assume you know what information people want to see. And so one of the first few things that I usually will help my, my clients test is I, I classify them as value propositions. Um, or in other words, what is unique about your product or service? Why should people buy this or work with you? And usually when I ask business owners, what are your value propositions? They'll give me a list of like 10 or 15 things. And it's like, if I'm selling a product, it's like, well, it's made in the USA and it's the best quality, you know, materials and it's 
you know, money back guarantee and, you know, this innovative new technology and free shipping and, you know, yada, yada. I mean, you, you'll just go through this whole list of things. And the truth is when somebody is looking, um, when somebody comes to your website, it's not five things that's going to sell them or 15 things that's going to sell them. There's usually one or two things that are going to strike a chord with your particular customers. And so if, if those people cannot find that one, those one or two things, and if you don't know what those one or two things are, um, then people are going to leave your website and they're not going to convert. And so, and so it's important to figure out what are those one or two things and how can we feature them on the site in a way that immediately connects and resonates with people that may come. You, you, you talked a little bit about A-B testing, where I guess you're, you're putting some options out there and trying to determine how people respond to those options. I mean, is that, you know, is, is that the best way to optimize a website at this point in time? I mean, I, I guess you can do some research, talk to customers, try to understand their thinking, but ultimately it's, it's the proof in the pudding based on uh, how they respond to those different options that you throw out there. Yes, and so I'll, I'll share with you, a lot of times I'll ask companies, have you ever done any kind of A-B tests before? And probably 90% of the time people say yes. And I'll say, okay, tell me what you did. And probably 90% of those 90% of people will say, oh, well, we redesigned our site and we launched our new site and we compared our conversion rates last week to our conversion rates this week and it looks like it's performing better. So uh, it looks like the new site works really well. Um, the problem with that is there's a few problems. First of all, that's not an A-B test <laughs> um, because it's, that would kind of be like if somebody has a headache and I say, um, you know, they have a headache today and I say, okay, uh, try some, try some ibuprofen. And then tomorrow I ask them, how's your headache doing? And they say, oh, it went away. It's like, oh, well, is that because you took ibuprofen or is it just because your headache went away and, and we're looking at, the, you know, tomorrow now suddenly you don't have a headache. Right. Um, and so it, that's, that's not a good test. Um, you know, what you need is you need to have one person that takes ibuprofen with a headache one person that doesn't take ibuprofen with a headache, and then you ask them both the next day, how are you feeling today? And if they both don't have headaches, then it's like, okay, well, it's not the ibuprofen that did it, it's just the headaches were gonna go away. But if the guy who took the ibuprofen doesn't have a headache, and the guy who, who didn't still has his headache, it's like, okay, well, we've got a good, you know, some good data here, right? Um, and so that's what you need, is you need, you need a sample over the same period of time with the same people that are, that are either experiencing one version of your site or another. There's a lot of great A-B testing tools out there. In fact, Google has a free A-B testing tool called Google Optimize that is really easy to set up and it allows you to create these, these duplicate versions of your website and change things and it allows you to split traffic between your two, the two versions of your site. And the, the, the other thing that I say to people, you know, kind of along the, the headache example, um, you know, with, with the website is how do you know your conversion rates weren't going to go up anyways, right? Like maybe the weather was bad last week. And so people weren't looking for your product. People, maybe people didn't go to work last week. And so they weren't searching for your product or, or they weren't in the mindset of converting. Um, or maybe, you know, something happened in the economy this week that changed the mindset that people were in and they're more likely to convert this week than last week or less likely, right? I mean, Maybe you launch a new website and it, and it fails miserably. 
and and maybe your maybe your website was gonna not do well anyways and so that's that's where doing the a b split test is critical because we're getting data at the during the same time period with all other factors being the same um, and we can just test those differences on your website the things that we're changing um, so that is the best way to learn what people actually want um, without having there be a large chance that like something random just happened and you, you think you're learning something but you're not so you're, you're trying to minimize and control the variables that you've got out there exactly you, you've also worked with search engine optimization SEO um, you are, you know, job number one is helping them find the website. Then you're also trying to convert them into customers once you get them there. What, uh, what, do, you, what do you tell clients in terms of SEO these days? Any, any tips that you can share with our, our listeners on that one? Well, so, I mean, SEO, search engine optimization, and, and what I do with optimizing the website are very aligned in their purpose. Um, search engine optimization is, is about getting ranked on Google. Because once you get ranked well, then people are going to click on your thing and come to your website, right? And so, um, you know, the better your ranks, the more traffic you get. And what Google is trying to do, when Google is ranking websites, they're trying to figure out which website has the thing that people want, right? Like, that's, that's ultimately what Google's fancy algorithm is trying to do. It's, it's trying to figure out what do people want and which website has what they want. Right? And so there's a lot of different ways that Google will try to um, analyze whether or not a website has what people want. Right? I mean, historically, the most powerful thing has always been, are people linking to you? Because theoretically, if people link to your website, that means that you have something valuable there. Right? Um, but links have been, have been increasingly devalued over time. That doesn't mean they're worthless. They're absolutely still important. But links have been increasingly devalued over time because Google realizes, well, people can just build links. To their own site without you know so links aren't the only thing right you know some of the things that google looks at now is are people engaging with your brand right i mean do you know do you when you post on social media about your site do people engage with those posts are people clicking on your links from social media and coming to your site like do people actually click on those links that that are built to your site um google also looks at a lot of on-site metrics so they, you know, because Google has an infinite amount of data and most websites have Google analytics set up, Google knows how long do people stay on your site? How many pages do they visit on your site? Um, do they actually end up, you know, converting or purchasing or, or signing up on your website? Uh, they know this stuff. And so those things also influence your conversion rates um, or, or, your, or your SEO rankings is, are people actually staying on my site and engaging? And, and that's where conversion rate optimization can really help. Because if you can figure out how to get people to convert on your website, if you, can, if you can figure out how to keep them on your site and get them to click through to other pages on your site, you usually also increase your SEO rankings and your SEO traffic. So it's kind of a best of both worlds approach um, to figuring out what, how, how do I show Google that, I, that my website has what people want. You know, and, and going back a little bit to the um, to the uh, conversion piece of it, you know, and and you know, when you're doing A/B testing, are, are, do you find that there are any common uh, changes or hints or strategies that you use with people? I mean, do, using more video does that help with conversion? Is, there, is it primarily a content issue of just making sure that 
that the value proposition is correct, or, or are there other things that you look at that you find uh, enhance conversion rates, or is it is it totally depend? There's lots of things. I will tell you that the couple of things that typically have the biggest influence on conversion rates, again, in general, um, and I'll and I'll give you an example of of a test, a, a very simple test that just about any business could run with with very little experience, but that typically has very dramatic results. Um, so, so one of the tests that I run, I call it an existence test. I call it an existence test because you want to test whether or not things should exist on your website. So I will usually go and I will look at a client. I'll, I'll say, I'll use like a homepage as, a, as an example. And most people's homepages are quite lengthy. So if you're selling a product um, or, or selling products, if you're like an e-commerce site, typically your homepage is going to be like all of the products that you have. And usually at the top of your website, you'll have like your featured product or whatever products are on sale. You know, you'll have a banner that's like 50% off these products. And then as you scroll down the page, it's like, and here's some of our categories of products. And here's some really popular products. And here's some client testimonials of our products, right? You can have lots of information. Um, as you, you know, if, if you're a, a lead generation website or if you are a service-based website, you're going to have on your homepage, you're going to have at the top, you're going to have, you know, we are, um, you know, smart plumbing, you know, to service all of your plumbing needs. And, it'll, and then you'll have like a button that says, get a quote. And then if they scroll down, you're going to have pictures of your whatever plumbing services, and you're going to have all of the different areas that you service. You're going to have a form somewhere on the page. But the bottom line is there's a lot of stuff that we put on our, on our pages, right? There's, there's a lot of stuff that's there. And so the first test that I usually will run with companies is, should all that stuff even be there? Um, and so what I will do is, you know, if you sign up for Google Optimize and you get your website set up in there, um, what I will do is I will create one or two or three different versions of your homepage. And, and in version one, I will go in and I will say, let's remove that main offer that you have up there because maybe that's not the best offer to have. So let's just remove it. That's all I do. You just go in, you click on it, you delete it. <clears throat> very simple. Um, obviously if you have a very complex site, it's a little bit more complex, but <clears throat> for most businesses, it's pretty simple. In version two of your site, instead of removing your main offer, I'm going to say, let's go down and out. let's remove this block of content that you have down here. That's like describing your story and you know, why you started your business. Let's remove that. And then version three, let's remove, you know, whatever else is on the page. If, if it's a product site, let's remove all of these products that are down here and see what happens. Um, and what happens with these types of tests, like I said, it's very simple to set these tests up. It takes less than a half an hour to set this, this kind of a test up. Um, but what happens with these kinds of tests is one of two things. And either way, you, you, you have um, really great information that you're gathering. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So, so Chris, uh, you know, just as a startup, any other advice that, uh, that uh, you, can, you can share with folks uh, as we wind things up a bit? No, I mean, just, you know, like, like I was just talking about with this existence test, um, you know, you, you want to focus your website. You, you want to you have a focus so that your site is very simple and straightforward for people. 
Um, and so like you were saying, less sometimes is more. You, you know, sometimes people do want a lot of information, um, but you're not gonna know if they want more information until, um, until you run this kind of a test, until you test having more versus less, right? And if people want less, then give them as little information as possible. You know, try to figure out how simple can I make my website? People want a lot of information, which does happen in some industries with some specific products. If people want a lot of information, then um, give them as much information as you possibly can. Um, but, but ultimately, again, what, what my advice is, is don't assume anything. Even if you've talked to your customers, even if you have um, surveyed people, don't assume that you know what they want on your website try out different approaches, try out different things on your site and, um, and, and let your audience tell you what they want to see on the website. And you, you can learn very quickly with some of these types of tests. You can learn very quickly. You can see dramatic results. I've seen, um, you know, single tests that have increased conversion rates by 60 or 70% from removing or adding things to the website. Um, because you're finding what people really want to see. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, just approach your business with an open mind and be willing to adjust and make changes as you go forward. And, and I mean, you, you, can, have, you can have huge um, positive results with, uh, with your marketing efforts and with, with your website. That sounds good, man. Very good. You, you, uh, you know, we, we like to invite our guests to participate in our lightning round. You up for that? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. We're, we're sponsored this month again by Ned Ryerson Insurance, so we appreciate uh, their support of the program. But uh, we're going to throw some quick questions out to you, and you can give us some, some quick answers. So we'll, we'll get started here. So number one, where is the place that you'd most like to travel? I love going to Hawaii. Okay. Favorite place. That's a good place to go. Very good place. Do you prefer to give or get presence i definitely prefer to get i'm not a good present giver (laughs) is a hot dog a sandwich sorry say that again is a (laughs) hot dog a sandwich yes or no no okay yeah there aren't necessarily right answers here but you got that one right growing up what was (laughs) growing up what was your favorite tv show uh, for most of my life, it was Seinfeld. I still, I still watch Seinfeld. Okay, that's good. Is it okay to wear socks with sandals? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Last question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? It would have to be the power of flight. I've always, I, I've always dreamt of being able to fly, and I think that would be really cool. Nice. I don't know what I would where I would go with that, probably maybe, Hawaii. Maybe but. Hawaii, that's good. Yeah. All right, that, that works. Chris, if our listeners want to find you, where should they be looking for you? Uh, so you can look me up on social media. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my, my name is Chris Daly, D-A-Y-L-E-Y is my last name. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I, I will have a website up uh, shortly, and it will be smart-cro.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I would, I would love to hear from people. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer questions. Um, and, and I'll be working on, uh, on getting some more information um, together about, about the new business. Well, well congratulations on yes. starting your new business. That's and, exciting. And, and thank you for spending time with us today on, uh, on the Entrepreneur Exchange. We really appreciate it. So. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Well, well, Gary, each month uh, we try to share some small businesses of the month, mm-hmm. and uh, 
What's uh, what sort of small business uh, has come across your uh, wire this week? Well, mine this is a, a cool idea that uh, I'm going to highlight a product that's growing in popularity. I've not tried it, but I know there are a lot of people that think that I should because I don't sleep much. I thought you were going to get into the weed business. Well, we'll wait okay. on, be patient. Okay. All right. But they know I don't sleep much and they know I love sweets. So the product is Sweet Sleeping Gummy Bears. Have you heard of these? I have not. Chris, have you heard of these? I have not heard of those. <laughs> Some people think it's a cure for jet lag as well as those sleepless nights. The gummy bears are laced with melatonin. Mm-hmm. Make a little sense because it can help uh, with adjusting your body clock to adjust to new time zones or just when you're having a, a tough night. And there's nothing worse than that dreaded jet lag or a tired feeling in the morning when you haven't slept. It can be enough to ruin the next day. Melatonin works differently from standard sleeping tablets, which I do like, and it can help you adjust your natural body clock as opposed to... I don't take sleeping pills, even though I should. You're also, also available... I, I was, you're, there are lots of drugs you seem to take, but go yes. ahead. <laughs> and relax gummies. CBD, gummy bears. Okay. I, you knew I was going to get there, or you were hoping I would. Industrial hemp as the key product there. And these premium consumables infused with CBD from organic hemp plants to your daily wellness routine, and you'll handle your daily duties much differently. Smiley face, I put there. Smiley face, okay. That's a fun way to consume high-quality CBD is the relaxing gummy, gummy bears. It's an edible treat that lets you snack your way with a purpose. So, so how's that? That's great, man. Now, now, now I didn't take any while. I was writing this, but I felt like it. Chris, you're, you're. I believe that you are in Utah. Is that correct? I am in Utah, and you know, in North Carolina, sometimes we, we people here take a more conservative view on on certain things, and I I don't know how how the laws are in Utah. I know that I've got relatives in Colorado that uh, that. Uh, Edible marijuana, or I guess uh, recreational marijuana, is legal. What's the situation in Utah? Uh, rec- rec- recreational marijuana is not legal in Utah. Um, there, I mean, people do uh, consume like these kind of CBD products. I, I haven't personally, but um, I do know that that's, that those are very popular things in places like Colorado and California, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of the CBD stuff going on here, but anyway. Well, anyway. I'm, on, I'm on my way, by the way, because I'm using gummy vitamins. Okay, well, that's good for you, Gary. <laughs> so I guess the next step. All right. Well, the the small business of the month that I've got this one, and I I don't even remember where I found it, but it's called Tin Lizzie. And, it, it, and, and I think you're going to appreciate this one, Gary. It's, it's a do-it-yourself appliance repair uh, company that does, I don't do that that every, does everything <laughs> online through, through a, a chat-type operation. For one low payment, their technicians are, will be virtually there to help find out what's wrong with your appliance and tell you how to repair it. And that means that instead of having a house call at the 100, 200, mm-hmm. and keep going up type thing, yep. they'll do a diagnosis for $25 and a repair for $30. You can download their Tin, Tin Lizzie virtual, virtually their app camera that you share with their technician so they can see what you're doing and give you direction. And they can even uh, draw things on the screen. All their technicians are certified and screened. Their founder's name is Mary Nelson, and she was having issues with her washing machine and spent five hours on the Internet trying to figure it out and sort of came up with this idea of do a a do-it-yourself online appliance company. 
and came up with the name Tin Lizzy because it's the nickname for Ford Motor Company's Model T car mm-hmm. produced between 1908 and 1927. Henry Ford wanted to build a reliable car that was affordable for just about everyone. And to do that, he had to make it on an assembly line using identical parts that were interchangeable. And, uh, you know, Gary, you and I really are not blessed with the handy gene. No. So my, I lost it with my dad. Well, or my not. family lost it with my dad. Well, um, my dad's still with me, but he didn't have that gene either. So uh, com understands that, and they provide experience and knowledge that the average homeowner lacks, allowing them to take on repair with confidence. The technician uh, provides live chat. You can do their app. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Um, you can check them out at tinlizzy.com. That's T-I-N-L-I-Z-Z-E-E.com. Joe Bob says, check it out. That's our small business of the month. Very cool. So anyway, we want to thank uh, uh, Chris Daly. Chris, thank you very much for joining joining us today. You can find Chris uh, uh, online, LinkedIn, D-A-Y-L-E-Y. Uh, and as we said, uh, Chris will be, you'll find him on his website soon at uh, Smart CRO. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you guys for having me. We want to thank uh, the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us. You can check out all the podcasts from the Mesh at themesh.tv. Subscribe to the Entrepreneur Exchange and any of the Mesh podcasts by visiting iTunes or visiting many of the uh, of your usual suspect podcast sites. So anyway, appreciate you joining us. We'll yes, look forward thanks, to talking to you again next month. Have a good one. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.